Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do terrific work, and you can find out more and visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific program for you today, including special guest Keith Flaw, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Michael Cannon is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Seat Motley, the founder and president of Less Government and the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett, will be joining us as well. It is January the 18th and on this day in 1919 in Paris, France, some of the most powerful people in the world uh, would meet to begin the long, complicated negotiations that would officially mark the end of World War I. Leaders of the victorious Allied powers, France, Great Britain, the United States, and Italy, would make most of the crucial decisions in Paris over the next six months. For most of the conference, U.S. President Woodrow Wilson struggled to support his idea of peace without victory and making sure that Germany, the leader of the Central Powers and the major loser in the war, was not treated too harshly. On the other hand, Prime Ministers Clements of France and David Lloyd George of uh, Britain argued that punishing Germany adequately and ensuring its weakness was the only way to justify the immense costs of the war. In the end, Wilson compromised on the treatment of Germany in order to push through his creation of his pet project, an international peacekeeping organization called the League of Nations. Representatives from Germany were excluded from the peace conference until May, and when they arrived in Paris and were presented with a draft of the Versailles Treaty, having put great faith in Wilson's promises, the Germans were deeply frustrated and disillusioned by the treaty, which required them to forfeit a great deal of territory and pay reparations. Even worse, the infamous Article 231 forced Germany to accept sole blame for the war. This was a bitter pill many Germans could not swallow. The Versailles Treaty was uh, signed on June 28, 1919, five years to the day after the Serbian nationalist bullet ended the life of Australian, uh, I should say, Austrian Archduke Ferdinand and sparked the beginning of World War I. In the decades to come, anger and resentment of the treaty and its authors festered Germany. Extremists like Adolf Hitler's Nationalist Socialist Party capitalized on these emotions to gain power, a process that led almost directly, exact thing that Wilson and others negotiators in Paris had tried to prevent, a second equally devastating world war, World War II, of course. Wilson, uh, uh, an idealist uh, and a bigot, but nevertheless uh, really paved the way for Second World War with this treaty. Well, December's retail sales numbers showed that the Americans have been shopping, and that's good news for the investors uh, got nervous about that, though. The Fed may, uh, may not cut rates as soon as they'd hoped, sending stocks down yesterday. Spirit Airlines sank. It was the second day in a row of its big losses for Spirit as investors continued to react to judges blocking JetBlue from buying it. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, A federal judge on Monday blocked JetBlue Airways from acquiring Spirit Airlines, uh, ruling that the $3.8 billion deal would have driven fares up for price-conscious travelers and hurt competition. Spirit shares were down 47% yesterday, 
JetBlue shares closed up 4.9%. At the trial, the U.S. Justice Department had argued the merger would have limited flight options as well as the spirit effect in which industry-wide prices reductions of 17% on average are triggered when spirit reduces fares on specific routes. A JetBlue Spirit merger would have created a fifth largest airline in the United States, giving the combined entity a control of roughly 10% of the domestic market. So does that sound like <laughs> in any way they're trying to control the market? They don't have the power to control the market. This is uh, really a ridiculous decision, and uh, we're going to talk more about it, I think, with Seton Mart- Motley. The four largest carriers, United Airlines, American Airlines, Delta Airlines, and Southwest, control two-thirds of the <clears throat> U.S. market. JetBlue and Spirit say they disagree with the ruling and are assessing next steps. Uh, The DOJ previously forced JetBlue to dissolve a Northeast uh, partnership with American Airlines that would have allowed the two carriers to coordinate schedules and share revenue. Uh, Justice Department has no business interfering with private enterprise. This is a deal made on good faith and good terms. Uh, Should have just stayed the heck out of the whole negotiation. Well, Joe Biden's presidential approval rating has plummeted to a near 20-year low, according to ABC Ipsos poll. The Democratic president uh, currently sits at 58 percent disapproval and only 33 percent approval, the worst presidential approval numbers since George W. Bush between 2006 and 2008. The poll also revealed that just 57 percent of voters who lean Democrat would uh, be satisfied with Biden as the party's nominee in 2024. That's just 57%. A deeper dive into the poll numbers suggests some light on uh, on why. As the border crisis rages on, only 18% of respondents support Biden's handling of immigration, the lowest number on record since ABC began polling the issue in 2004. Biden is also facing high disapproval numbers due to his mishandling of the economy. 71% of those polled say the economy was bad, with nearly half saying they're were, they were worse off now economically than when Donald Trump was president. Overall, 56% of people disapprove of Biden's handling of the economy. President Biden is now hemorrhaging support among younger minority voters, while Biden maintains a 65% approval rating among black people age 50 and up. He has only a 32% approval rating among black people younger than 50. His approval rating with black people in general is 21 points below average and among Hispanic people is 15 points below average, according to the poll. Biden has seen women abandon him, although he received votes of 57% of women in 2020. He now has only approval of 31%. Pretty dismal numbers for uh, Joe Biden. Well, Donald Trump is leading Nimrata, or they call her Nikki, Nikki Haley, by 16 points in New Hampshire, 50% to 34%, while Republican or Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is at abysmal third place with just 5%, slightly behind respondents who said they were undecided. New Hampshire allows so-called undeclared voters to vote in the primaries as well as Republicans, meaning the contest is open to some interference by leftists. If only Republicans were taken into account, Trump's lead over Haley's increases to 37%, while the former president at 61% and Haley at just 24%. Haley had a tough week of underperforming in Iowa, trying to answer Trump's attacks on her position on Social Security and immigration, and the recent Vivek Ramaswamy endorsement of Trump helping with younger uh, GOP voters. 
uh, commented Suffolk University Poll Political Research Center Director uh, David Pologos. The uh, pollster suggested there was some hope of Haley pulling Trump below 50% by winning over undecideds, but most respondents who have picked a candidate, 87% said they are not likely at all to change or, uh, their votes and their minds at this point in the race. Of course, it's coming up here in just a few days. Well, one-third of Americans say President Joe Biden is guilty of corruption and should be impeached, including some Democrats, according to a new poll. Uh, the Center Square voters, uh, voter uh, voice poll found that 34% of likely voters said Joe Biden is guilty of corruption and should be impeached. An additional 35% said it's not clear if the president did anything wrong, but the Republican-led House investigation of the president should continue. Among Democrats, 40% of those surveyed said that Joe Biden is innocent and that the investigation should be stopped immediately. But the same number of Democrats, 40%, said they're not clear about the allegations, but the investigation should continue. And 9% said he's guilty and should be impeached. Another 8% said they were unsure either way. In fact, they don't even know what's going on probably. But the true independents, which are independents that made clear they do not lean to the right or the left, are suspicious as well. The survey found 28% said Biden is guilty, and another 35% are unsure and want the investigations to continue. The results suggest House Republicans' ongoing impeachment inquiry has broad backing among Americans, even uh, roughly half of Democrats. So they should continue, the, in my view, he should be impeached just because of what he's let to hap have happen in the border, never mind uh, his uh, influence settling and peddling uh, with China and other nations across the world. Well, President uh, Donald J. Trump denounced central bank digital currencies, digital, I should say digital currencies, in address in New Hampshire on Wednesday evening. In front of his New York trial for the second day running, Trump said, Tonight I am making another promise to protect Americans from government tyranny. As your president, I will never allow the creation of a central bank digital currency. Such a currency would give the federal government absolute control over your money, and that would be a dangerous threat to freedom, and I will stop it from ha coming to America. We are also going to put in place strong protections to stop banks and regulators from trying to debank you from your political beliefs. This will never happen while I'm your president, he said. The comments are believed to be the first time the 45th president has intervened on the uh, subject of CBDCs, or central bank currencies, a digital currency issued by the nation's central bank, uh, such as the Federal Reserve. That's reassuring and very important, quite frankly, because I think these currencies, digital currencies, are a threat to, to personal freedom. Well, uh, former President Donald Trump took a solid lead in Iowa caucuses Monday, and following his victory, he reiterated his plan that should he take the White House in November, he'll return America to energy independence. We're going to drill, baby, drill right away. Drill, baby, drill, Trump said. With inflation and the state of the economy ready high on voters' concerns, energy is likely to be the key issue in this year's presidential election. Make no mistake, energy is on the ballot in 2024. Americans from Iowa to New Hampshire know that energy underpins every facet of their daily lives and they're voting accordingly, said Rich, uh, Rick Whitback, Alaska State Director for Power for the Future. 
Well, former Trump world insider turned Ron DeSantis spokesman Steve Cortez has reversed his controversial endorsement of for the Florida governor, arguing in a new Real Clear Politics op-ed that he was wrong to endorse DeSantis and calling on anti-Trump Republicans to read the room. It's time to coalesce and uh, unite behind the clear preference of uh, GOP grassroots Donald John Trump. Cortez wrote on Tuesday. We don't have the luxury of further internal strife and instead must gird for the epic battle this autumn against our opponents who are inflicting daily damage upon America. Cortez deflection into the uh, May 23 was especially contentious given his proximity to Trump advisor Stephen K. Bannon in the war room. He concluded on Tuesday, it's time to unify behind former President Donald Trump as he leads the battle against the ruling class and the oligarchs intent on destroying American way of life. I implore all patriotic populists to join as I pledge to do as I can to work for Donald Trump's cause because I proudly did as I proudly did in 2016 and 2020. Well, you know, the prodigal son has come home. Let's see if there's going to be forgiveness. Uh, yesterday in War Room, Steve Bannon didn't mention anything about this uh, op-ed. Uh, I says, though he could be a great asset and uh, we should uh, celebrate the fact that he's coming back. Coming home. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Come up, we're going to be visiting with Keith Law, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. And now serving dinner, 4 to 8 p.m., Wednesdays through Saturdays, a terrific menu. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. 
everyone. Every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Tim Garrett, candidate for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. He's a 33-year resident of Collier County, a military veteran, a retired sheriff's officer, and a graduate of the FBI National Academy. Tim stands for Safe, Secure, Ethical Elections in Collier County. Vote for Tim Garrett and check out his website, votefortimgarrett.com. Paid for by Tim Gret, Republican for Collier County Supervisor of Elections. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. He is the co-founder and CEO of a terrific organization founded about a decade ago, a little bit longer. It's called the Florida Citizens Alliance. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Good morning, Rob. It's great to be with you. Thank you so much, Keith. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, we're... uh a grassroots organization, uh, now well over 260,000 people here in Florida. Uh, we focus uh, exclusively on K-12 through education um, throughout the state. Um, and to us, that means really promoting um, parental, parental rights, uh, school choice, and trying to stop the indoctrination that's going on in our schools. And, of course, to improve the academic uh, uh, within our schools. Doing a terrific job, and I'll just to refer our listeners to your website, goflca.org, goflca.org. And I would say, in terms of uh, school school choice and the other issues that you mentioned, Florida has risen tremendously in the last decade, and I think your fingerprints are all over uh, what's happened in Tallahassee as a result. So I really commend you for your efforts and what you've accomplished. Which brings us really to the legislative session right now. Uh, can you give us an idea of what's going on when it comes to education? Yeah, we're in the middle of week two. Uh, there's some uh, good, really good bills that I'll talk about, and then there's a couple that we're uh, that we're really uh, concerned about. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, let me start with one that we're concerned about because I think uh, Pastor Rick talked about it on your show recently. Um, that's House Bill 1403, and they're setting about and literally in both chambers to uh, kill or repeal uh, the Hope Scholarship. Hmm. And uh, that bill went through its second hearing yesterday. Um, we've, we've got lots of people in the state that are up in arms over that, uh, trying to convince them to not repeal that. Uh, the Hope Scholarship gives parents an immediate opportunity uh, when their child is in, a, in a, an abusive uh, situation by either a, another student or you know, a teacher who's uh, uh, threatening or intimidating them based on what they're trying to teach them, um, it gives them, a, a, the parent, an immediate out. By taking this away, uh, the, the parent's still eligible for school choice house bill, but they have to apply, and there's uh, windows when they can apply. So if you have a child that's being intimidated um, and threatened in a classroom uh, outside of 
their window. Mm-hmm. You have to wait several months before you can even know whether you've got a scholarship or not. Yeah, that's so, just wrong. That's that, yeah. the Hope Scholarship is uh, probably the logic is well, look, we already have the scholarship program. We can eliminate this, but it's different. The Hope Scholarship is different because it immediately. Uh, checks the threat against the student and provides alternatives for the parent. Uh, exactly. And I would argue also that it puts the, the monkey back on the, the, te- the, the teacher or whoever is, um, you know, bullying the child. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, uh, we're, uh, we've still got an opportunity. It's a steep hill. Uh, uh, we're being told um, by several of the, the leadership that they're working on an amendment uh, uh, to deal with this emergency issue um, in its third stop in the house, uh, but I don't believe it till I see it. I've been okay. around too long. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so, give uh, us some good news. What's happening that's uh, going to be helpful to education? Uh, well, um, uh, House Bill One, which is the, and House Bill Three, which are two of the speaker's uh, priorities, uh, both passed their second and only committees yesterday in the House, so they'll be going to the um, to the floor of the House. Um, House Bill 1 is the social media for minors bill, and um, this will uh, require that every social media platform uh, block uh, or or prohibit the use of their website by kids under the age of 16. Hmm. Full stop. Um, You know, and and when you first think about that, this this, um, has been... um, the, the issue here is that this is really harmful to kids in, yeah. in so many ways. Um, if you look at all of, all of the bullying that's gone on, much of it is very facilitated by the social media. Uh, it, you've got uh, kids that are uh, suicide right, the suicide rates are up uh, immensely, um, and so this uh, this would uh, protect our kids. Now, some argue that parents, some par- uh, parent ought to have a right to have the kid on the internet. Uh, and, and so it ought to be a parent's rights issue. Um, we are uh, of the opinion that, and I'll use a couple of examples, um, alcohol. You know, you, you can't have access to alcohol if you're underage, mm-hmm. full stop, right? It, it's, you don't allow some kids because a parent wants it to and other kids because their parent doesn't want them to. Um, and and there, are, there are many issues uh, like that. Yeah. Um, so this uh, this is... Uh, you know, this uh, is just a major issue that uh, we're strongly supporting, and I think it has a really good chance. Uh, the other uh, co- kind of a companion bill is House Bill 3. House Bill 3 is an online uh, access to harmful minors is the name of the bill. And really what it does is it requires age verica- verification on all platforms um, um, for that, that deal in pornography. So... Uh, are harmful for materials so that, uh, you know, right now our kids have access to all of this stuff without any um, limitation. And so both of those are really good bills in our opinion. Outstanding. So uh, before I let you go, you have a, uh, a gala coming up that's going to be very important to uh, to uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Maybe you could tell us about it. That's our, our biggest fundraiser of the year. It's going to be at the, the Naples Ritz uh, on the beach. Uh, it's uh, the date is uh, March 13th, so it's coming up here in a little bit less than two months. Um, we uh, we're expecting uh, 
uh, you know, a, a good turnout from people here locally that are interested in uh, supporting K through 12 education. Our keynote speakers, uh, number one is Dinesh D'Souza, and number two is a fellow by the name of Kanye Boyack, and some of your listeners might not recognize that name, but he's the founder of the Tuttle Twins. So if you've got kids or grandkids and you're not aware of the Tuttle Twins, you should be. And uh, and so we're really excited about this event. And again, it's our, an opportunity to help support uh, everything we do. And the tickets are available on uh, your website? Right. All you have to do is go to goflca.org and it's the pop-up window's right there. And for those of you that are Alfie Oaks fans, uh, Alfie's been a big supporter of this. And for everybody who buys a ticket, they get a $100 gift certificate to any of uh, Alfie's uh, establishments. Fantastic. Again, Keith Law, co-founder and CEO of the Florida Citizens Alliance. GoFLCA.org is the website. GoFLCA.org. I hope you'll get online and uh, get a ticket to the upcoming event. Keith, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thank you, Bob. Have a great rest of your week. You as well. Thank you, Keith. All right, coming up, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. 
and building a 44,000 square foot performing arts center that's going to be opening this fall. It's going to be fabulous. You can find out more and get tickets to some great performances coming up. Visit the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Uh, we have with us uh, Michael Cannon. He is the Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Great to be back, Bob. So, Michael, the Supreme Court has taken a look at the court uh, case that is uh, looking at the power and uh, influence of these alphabet, unelected alphabet agencies. I wonder if that's going to help uh, or influence health care. So it, this case was the courts are calling Loper v. Raimondo, uh, could have a huge impact on health care. It, it's not a health care case. It has to do with fisheries and how the Department of Commerce is enforcing limits that Congress has imposed on fishing and requiring the industry to do certain things because there is some ambiguity in the law. and The industry is saying, no, you don't have the authority to do that. And in fact, we want the courts to change how they defer to agencies uh, when it comes to interpreting these ambiguities uh, so that they defer a lot less, so yeah. that the court decides uh, what the law is or uh, whether uh, uh, a, an agency's interpretation is reasonable or not, and, uh, and less often... Uh, deferring when the agency is reasonable and instead imposing what the court thinks is the best interpretation. And you know what? There's tons of those sorts of ambiguities in federal law when it comes to health care. Well, and, and the and detrimental so part they, of this is... If they jettison this interpretive method, then it could really pull, curtail the authority of federal agencies that implement health care programs and regulations. Right. I, I just make the comment that the, the sad part about all this is because of this ruling years ago, uh, the uh, alphabet agencies have had unelected officials have had power, not just in healthcare but in all areas of uh, regulation to have the, you know, the political influence and the uh, interpretation they want as opposed to the intent of the law. It's not, and that power that you're talking about is really legislative power. Right. I mean, if the, uh, if, if the court, if it, Congress writes a really big, complicated statute and uh, doesn't answer every possible question that will arise, then the administrative agencies and the executive branch are going to be, are going to have to fill in those blanks. And that is, in essence, the legislative power. They are deciding where the burdens uh, and benefits of these laws will fall in many cases. Yeah. And, and, and Article 1, Section 1 of the Constitution says, all, it begins, all legislative power here invested uh, shall uh, uh, reside in the Congress, and the executive branch is just there to implement what Congress says. Right. But this, this gets so complicated when, when it comes to health care that there were some special interest groups that filed a friend of the court brief uh, with the Supreme Court that said, whoa, 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 wait a second. If you get rid of this interpretive method we, that you call Chevron, Chevron deference, it's named for a, a case from the 1970s. If you uh, get rid of this Chevron deference, then it will be impossible to administer the Medicare program, the Medicaid program, and other government health programs, because those are too complex 
for Congress to answer all the questions that come up itself. And it's too complex for courts to do. We need to give these sorts of legislative powers to unelected bureaucrats. And you know what? They're right. You think so? They're right that these things are too complicated for either Congress or the courts to administer. But they're also too complicated. They're wrong because they're also too complicated for the bureaucrats to administer. Right. And what, this, what, the, what these special interest groups' argument inadvertently does is they make a very strong case for uh, changing the Medicare and Medicaid programs as they exist right now from programs that provide people health care yeah. uh, to programs like Social Security that just give people the cash and trust them to make all of these complex decisions about what kind of coverage they should buy and what kind of coverage they shouldn't buy and, and what kind of uh, uh, medical care they're going to receive and, uh, and, and what they aren't. Uh, that is, the, to my mind, the best way of resolving this issue, of getting all these complex decisions out of the hands of uh, the bu- unelected bureaucrats and out of the hands of courts is by getting them out of the hands of Congress. Uh, and uh, if Congress is going to subsidize people, it should subsidize them with cash like the Social Security program does. You didn't have, you know, the people who are telling the court, don't overturn Chevron, they weren't saying because the Social Security program would be too complex to administer. Uh-huh. Because it wouldn't. <clears throat> they were saying the Medicare program would be too complex to administer, which is why Congress should make one of the reasons Congress should make Medicare look like Social Security. Well, the other thing <clears throat> to have this uh, have the Supreme Court rule in favor of getting rid of Chevron and reducing the power of these agencies, I think, will have the effect <clears throat> of having the agencies pay more attention to what the will of the people might be, because they know that their decisions will be overturned if they're not making good decisions. So that is one of the uh, contentious points. The uh, there, for some time, have been right, right now. It's conservatives who, who want the court to overturn Chevron. Right. But for a long time, a lot of conservatives have said no. Chevron is actually good because you don't want unelected and unaccountable judges making these decisions, resolving ambiguities in federal law, because they don't have to face the voters. Right. And while unelected bureaucrats don't have to face the voters, they do have to face someone who faces the voters, the president of the United States. So there is an argument there that these bureaucrats are more accountable than judges are. However, uh, they're not very accountable, and the, the, deferring to them uh, requires judges to abdicate their role to say what the law actually says in many cases. You know, uh, you you brought up something that does concern me, however, and that is these issues right now that the judges are uh, addressing. In many cases, I think they're doing it in in their ignorance of the topics and not not fully understanding the implications of the decision they'll be making. That's certainly the case. But you know what? There's there's another reason to prefer having judges uh, decide what is the best interpretation, not just defer to what they think are reasonable agency interpretations. And that is, once the courts rule in, uh, you know, rule on what they think the best interpretation is, then that might spur Congress to act and change it if that ruling is incorrect. If it's inconsistent with what Congress wants, they can do that. Uh, that will create more of an incentive for Congress to do its job right. and legislate, whereas if an agency 
uh, comes up with the wrong answer, there's less of an incentive for Congress to do its job and legislate because uh, members of Congress will just say, oh, well, we'll just wait for the next administration to fix it rather than we'll rather than do our jobs and fix it ourselves. See, this is such a great conversation. I really appreciate your pointing out how this is going to uh, apply to health care, but it applies to so many areas of our lives. And right now, the Congress has abdicated uh, their responsibility for passing laws, and it really is in the hands right now of the executive branch and these alphabet agencies. So at least it would bring it back to uh, accountability on the part of Congress, and that would be a good thing. Again, Michael Cannon, Director of Health Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. I hope you check out the website, cato.org, C-A-T-O dot org. Michael, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Always great to be here, Bob. Thank you, Michael. All right, coming up, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, that and more, right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. He is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. 
Good morning, sir. So I was looking forward to our conversation today because a federal judge on Monday blocked JetBlue Airways from acquiring Spirit Airlines. See, to me, this is just wrong, but I really look forward to your commentary. Well, we talked about this for a while. Um, you know, it, it, commentary helps when, you know, I was writing about it when it was in bureaucrats' hands. Once it's in the judge's hands, it kind of goes into a black hole. Yeah. You know, they're not supposed to, I mean, ostensibly, they're not supposed to come, you know, take in, they're supposed to impartially judge and, of course, they read op-eds and all that. But anyway, I was against blocking it. I was for letting it happen because they were the fourth and sixth largest airlines. And after the big three, there's a huge gap. And and so what you're doing is combined, they would have been less than, I think, half the passengers of number three Southwest mm-hmm. combined. So... Rather than hurting competition and it would and and hurting consumers, it would do the opposite because now you've got somebody getting close to being competitive with the big three. That would actually have been a good thing. And as you said off the air, gee, now one of them is just going to die. So what's 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 a better outcome? They one of them gets to merge with the other, or one of them gets to die. Yep. And now you now you're going to have that company die, and all their employees are out of work. And there would have, you know, I, I remember uh, my, my buddy was a pilot for TWA back when TWA was acquired by United right before 9-11. And just, but, but, almost, but everybody kept their jobs. Everybody at TWA kept their jobs. Um, and then 9-11 happened. And of course, you know what that did to the entire economy, let alone the airline industry. Mm-hmm. And, he, and uh, he lost his job that way. They, and then, of course, that was the interunion thing. Not to get too sidetracked, but... Their union deal was if you'd been a United employee for six months, you had more tenure than a thirty-year TWA guy. Wow! So when they when they when they started contracting after nine eleven, all the TWA people went first. But that was not because of the merger; that was because of the nine eleven attacks. But mm-hmm. anyway, so so but everybody kept their jobs. The point is, everybody kept their jobs, and that's what would have happened with all both of these airlines, or most, if not all. All the employees would have kept their jobs. You had all their routes that they were that they're running, so they're going to keep all the employees running those routes. Um, and now, of course, they can't merge, and they're and and at least one of them is probably going to go away. And that's I'm not sure how that helps anybody. Exactly. I mean, the judge referred to the spirit effect, basically meaning that whenever spirit comes into a market, it tends to drive. The price of uh, airline tickets down, but what, what if a spirit just goes away? It doesn't have that effect anymore. I mean, there, there is no spirit effect if there is no spirit. That's right. And so the judge uh, is going to say, "Gee, I didn't think of that." <laughs> I just, you know, you, and again, back to my original argument, which is, okay, fine. They merge, and the smaller they keep. The, it's not the name. It's not the magic name of spirit that right. does that. It's a it's a it's a strong, healthy competitor coming into the marketplace right. that drives prices down, and a combined Spirit and JetBlue is a healthier competitor to the big three than either Spirit or JetBlue alone right. would be, right? Or are, and so this is just I mean this is a guy this is clearly a government school victim this this judge 
I mean, this is, you're asking a judge to be, you know, think two steps ahead instead of just one. Right. And, and that's too much for most people, apparently. Well, Seton, the, the big complaint I have, of course, is that we have uh, somehow the government meddling in private enterprise. Well, why don't we let, just, well, let, let right. people decide? Well, the, pro- the, well, the, the problem is, and, and, and you, you know, you're, that's one half of the coin now. The other half of the coin is, and this is what you don't, you know, this, you, obviously the big three didn't want this to happen. Uh-huh. And the problem was they were meddling in government. The government was meddling on their behalf. That's why the FTC was involved in looking at JetBlue and Spirit in the first place and instigating these lawsuits was because the big three wanted this merger blocked. And lo and behold, they got what they wanted. And see, that's I, I use the Mike Tyson chess club president analogy. The government needs, you know, when you were, if you were in high school, you'd have paid Mike Tyson protection money. You would not have paid the president of the chess club protection money. <laughs> well, the government is now Mike Tyson sized. Yeah. And so they are bullying their way through. And you, there's this, the, most of the, you know, the, the, you've got big companies that are so big, they can bribe the government for favoritism because the government's so big that they can provide it. Yeah. And, and, and you, so now you've got this, that's fascism. That was Mussolini's definition of fascism. You've got big government and big business harmonizing their efforts. And, you know, if you've got the big three banks, you know, or the big three airlines in there, they're going to be able to out lobby jet blue and spirit. That's right. Well, now instead of the spirit effect, you now have the K Street effect, <laughs> well, yeah, which is bigger than anything. That's which right. Which is bigger than anything. That's right. And and um, I was talking to a friend of mine. Uh, you know, this push for term limits is really actually anti-productive because what do you what do congressmen do when they leave Congress? They go lobby. Right. So if you limit their time in Congress to six years, what are you doing? Expanding You're lobbies, creating more lobbyists. Yeah, <laughs> you're churning more people onto K Street, and of course you're empowering unelected uh, staffers, right? Yeah, because now you've got some unelected 30-year chief of staff, and he's more powerful than any of the elected officials on Capitol Hill because he's got all the long-term connections and he's got all the long-term knowledge, and you can't do anything about him because he's not elected. So you, th- then it becomes like, okay, who gets? Who gets the long-term staffers, and then they run the show worse than it was when the congressmen were. Right, because the the new people coming in, they're all going to depend on the staffers who had the experience. That's right. And uh, that's right. And it, it, it becomes even more corrupt. I tell you, the, the, quite frankly, the, what I think really quickly. The, yeah, the solution is to end gerrymandering. Yeah, uh, and also because, you know, we have and also to we reduce have the hundred seats. We'll reduce the size of government. Yes, that's. Yeah. But we can't get there until we fix what we're talking about now, because right now we've got 400 seats that the general election doesn't matter in the House, because they're so one-sided, Democrat or Republican, that it's the primary that matters. Right. So you've got six Republicans going, I'm more conservative than those five guys, and I'm more, oh no, I'm more conservative than these five guys. And then you elect these hyper-partisan Republicans and these hyper-partisan Democrats, and then we stare at each other and go, gee, why is Congress so divided? Yeah. Because you... <laughs> But the answer is, 
the same reason Jessica Rabbit. They were drawn that way. Right. Unbelievable. Uh, well, in my opinion, too, I think what we could do is reduce the salary of people who are in, in Congress so it's not so attractive to stay there. Some people go there because it's a sewer and they got found well, out. Well, remember, the, 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 they, it's not the salary, it's the benefit. Right. Good point. This is supposed to be a temporary job. There should not be lifetime IRAs and retirement accounts and all that. Right. It, 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 it's not the salaries because, you know, I will, you know, you living in D.C., you and I both did it. It's not cheap. And you've got to maintain two houses. Right. And you, yes, you're making 135000 or whatever. That's not where the money is. The money is, of course, the benefits. The You shouldn't get a retirement. There should be no retirement package for Congress. I agree. And, of course, all the illegal money that comes in because you have that seat. All right. He's Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I hope you'll visit the website, lessgovernment.org. You can also visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure indeed. All right, coming up, the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to serve effectively in elected office. And you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org. 
Org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Well, thanks, Bob. I, I certainly appreciate it uh, on this nice winter day. <laughs> it is, my goodness, is the sun ever going to come out? It's kind of like Syracuse yeah. down here. It said today, so I think that said should be sunny in the afternoon and night, so we'll see. So today's the big day for the, um, the hospital, uh, 130 times set. Uh, at City Hall, um, I'm hoping they're going to make their they're supposed to make their final vote today, and uh, hopefully get it passed after delaying forever and uh, probably costing them millions of dollars waiting. Yeah, and um, that that's that's uh, the the first thing today that's on the agenda, and um, well, it, for this afternoon anyway, but uh, certainly worth tuning into and watching. Um, uh, it's really been a dog and pony show there, and um, we need to get this done. So hopefully uh, cooler heads will prevail, and they've had enough meetings and everything else. But I'll guarantee you, Heitman will most likely, the mayor Heitman will, mo- will most likely come up with something else to uh, to uh, forestall it, um, but I hope not. Um, then um, the, the other thing, Bob, uh, unless you have a couple comments on that, but um, no. the... the the other thing is, is that, you know, the candidates are sending out their flyers and what they've done and what they haven't done and whatever. And um, uh, Mayor Heitman sent her her uh, her flyer out. It arrived. One of her flyers arrived yesterday. And I'm looking at a list on the back. And the first thing it says is my leadership. OK. And um, uh, the, the, the everything that she lists, she didn't do. Okay, her council might have done it, but it wasn't because of her yeah. uh, full-time mayor, solidly pro-resident. Yeah, she's a long-term view, um, but uh, I've never heard any of her long-term views. But right. the biggest thing here in yesterday's uh, council, the day before yesterday, they had a council uh, workshop, and it was supposed to be a review on our stormwater projects that we had um, that, that we had been working on. And this is my council. Okay. The, the prior council. And we handed to them a beautiful plan that Erickson design, um, and engineers had already put together. We, we worked on it. We handed it to this council. And now in today's paper, she's blaming us because the project has gone from 32 million, okay, which it was with us, to 91 million dollars, because her council did nothing but proliferate. Okay, mm-hmm. they took no action. They didn't discuss it, and all of a sudden, yesterday, in this review, they 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 um, just do workshops and workshops and workshops, and 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 no action. Yeah, and so now. It's a it's a real mess now, and she of course turns right around and blames you know the the prior council. Well, the prior council has the record speaks for itself. We handed them a uh, uh, this plan, Bob, and they didn't do a thing. And this is all about the stormwater down there on you know along the beach and around Third. Um, it's um, it's now going to cost a fortune, and of course, who knows where the money is going to come from. This just started out as a simple uh, review of, uh, you know, a, a workshop review. And um, 
So they're going to, and, and she says in her, um, in her brochure, something about how she, uh, uh, has, um, uh, delivered responsible budget aligned with resident priorities. Uh, and, uh, she goes on and on and on. And, you know, she's just spinning, uh, she's, she's just spinning and spinning and spinning. She also says about her opponent, and she said, you know, she talks about Gary Price. So, uh, once again, she goes back to the special interest groups. Uh, and then she says, delayed critical environmental projects that are now costing our taxpayers millions of dollars. Well, this is, it, she didn't know when she sent this this flyer out that uh, that what was going to happen yesterday. She had no clue of that. Okay. And so this is what she's talking about. Gary Price didn't delay anything. Right. <laughs> Gary Price is one of the ones that tried to that, that got it pushed forward uh, with his great knowledge of what was going on. So um, it's just it just goes on and on and on, Bob. And I hope that the voters, um, what, what's the old story? You know, fool me once, and yep. uh, you know, uh, and then but you're not going to fool me twice. Well, I sure hope she doesn't fool the voters again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it's. Uh it's well, one of the things you verified is apparently she's running again. So that's uh, that's. Oh, she's definitely running again, <clears throat> uh, and and she's running against uh, Ted Blankenship, of course, who's her fellow council member, and she has some words to say about him as well. Um, but I I think uh, when we get down to the meetings where they're going to be going head to head, so to speak, and answering questions, I don't know how she's going to do that. And I will say one more thing, certainly before we run out of time. Time. You know, our little uh, Naples Center government group, um, we interview all the candidates. Uh, right. it's, it's, we are nonpartisan. Well, we sent her and called her, Sally Tiffany, who has that and has headed it up for years. Every single candidate that's running, Bob, for city council, um, uh, for a position, whether it's councilman or mayor, has responded back to us with their campaign platform. Sally has made at least four calls and emails to Heitman. Yesterday was the last one, and she left her a nice message. And she said, Teresa, we need to know if you're going to attend this or not. No answer. Huh. Nothing. Just just blank. You can't do that to people. I know. Well, it's, <laughs> I think that's the uh, that's kind of the history of this uh, particular administration, that's, uh, the mayor. So she's not, uh, she's not demonstrating... Uh, any kind of regard for the, the people that surround her, quite frankly. And no, but it's right. But she says she does. And, and, you know, if you don't know her or whatever, you haven't followed it. If you've never watched a council meeting, you know, you don't know these things. You look at this and you say, whoa, boy, look at this. This is this is pretty this is pretty good. But when you get in and you do your homework, which I've been urging people to do in my uh, Life in Naples magazine every month that um that you, you absolutely need to look into the candidates and make uh, informed decisions. But $31 million, Bob, to 90. Yeah. Okay. And also, this uh, I think that's, this, this hospital decision. chicken feed. <laughs> yeah, no, and the, the hospital decision, I mean, that's uh, it's really about uh, uh, developing the Heart Institute, isn't it? it is, is, uh, right. Yes, it is. Well, it is. It's, it's just a shame. These delays are needless. And uh, if if we had a decisive mayor, it wouldn't happen. Quite frankly, I'm supporting Gary Price. I think even though I don't vote in the city of Naples, right. I, I think I really am rooting for the city of Naples. And I think Gary Price would make a great mayor. Yeah, I do, too. And he's got a, a, a group, a little group, uh, Coach Bill Kramer, 
um, and and a few others um, that are, are kind of running with it. It's not exactly a, a, a pack, um, but it's a group that uh, they've all got great Naples experience. They've all been here for quite a number of years. And one more thing, Bob, I don't know how you feel. And I, I don't want to get in trouble doing this, but I, I don't know how else to do it. One of the reasons that, I, you know, you always kidded me about, well, you've been a run, Bill. And I always said, oh, I don't know, Bob, I, you know, I would really like to. And so many people have said to Chris and I, when we're in a store or whatever it is, oh, we need you back, Mayor, we need you back. And I said, no, I think the age has got me, people, but thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'll continue to work hard. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, Linda Penniman has her hat in the ring for counsel. And and she's about 80 years old. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying anything derogatory about her, but I just think that's just um, I think it's, you know, uh, I look at Joe Biden and, and, and get scared when I think about that. And even for myself, um, you know, you're not as sharp at, at 80 or 81, 82 as you are in your 50s. Well, I don't know, Bill, you're pretty darn sharp, but <laughs> I just. Well, gen- yeah, but, you know, I appreciate that. No. I'm just trying to get a message across that that I just don't. I, I mean, Linda's yeah. uh, certainly is smart enough. She's done a lot, but I just don't. I really don't see supporting her. That's all. I appreciate it, Bill. Bill Barnett, again, former mayor of Naples. Genuinely appreciate your commentary on the show. Thanks so much for joining us. Okay, Bob. Take care. Bye bye. You as well. Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. <clears throat> Excuse me, please. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got some great guests for tomorrow. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harton Show on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com.